maintaining or increasing enrollment, staying on top of ever-changing content, incorporating best teaching practices. These are just some of the challenges that we face as CTE teachers. Welcome to the On Your Prep podcast. My mission is to empower every career and technical educator to love going to work each day because they are teaching what they are passionate about, in addition to applying great teaching principles. How many of you are teaching three or more preps? Raise your hand. As a CTE teacher, we tend to teach a ton of preps so that we can have a full-time job. So in my career, I've taught anywhere between three different courses to eight within a single school year, which is crazy. Most of us, especially if we're new teachers, automatically have that insane schedule unless we took over from someone who had an awesome program and had narrowed it down to two or three different preps. That unfortunately is not the case for, for, for most of us. So today I want to try to give you some tips on how to make your life easier with your planning and your assessment by really digging into essential standards. So you may or may not have heard of essential standards, power standards, or big rocks. They seem to be pretty much buzzwords when it comes to education. I've actually seen an example from Stephen R. Covey when they're talking about the seven habits for highly effective people, and they illustrate this idea of big rocks and putting first things first with kind of a visual. So the first thing they do is they fill this jar with sand, and all while they're talking about the different things that you've got to do. Then they try to put in gravel, and then they try to put in some big rocks. Not everything fits. So then they do it a different way. So they put the big rocks in first, then they put in gravel, and finally they put in sand. So that's the idea behind big rocks is that at that second example, it all fits because you put the big things first and then everything else pretty much just fills in around it. So that's how I want you to look at standards. And this works in any course, but it also works with CTE. You just may not have had it explained to you as I hadn't had it explained to me. So in my district, we are part of professional learning communities or PLCs, which is something that's great if it works properly. So when I first joined our district, our PLC had already been organized and they had determined what the essential standards were. So as a side note, if you get a new team or a new team member to your PLC team, in theory, you're actually supposed to reevaluate all of it because it's supposed to be an idea that consensus or there's buy-in for everyone to have the same standards and be teaching the same standards so that you can be using data-driven assessments. So anyway, that was a little bit of a side note. So when I had joined my PLC, they had already determined things. So me being a little bit rebellious, there were some things that they were trying to have our students do by hand because they had always been doing it by hand. Remember, I was drafting, I was teaching drafting, um, and so they had wanted to spend an incredible amount of time on things that they were doing on the board, like lettering, like two to four weeks worth of hand lettering, 
Well, I wanted to get my students onto AutoCAD as quickly as possible. So I kind of didn't really pay attention to the essential standards that they had put together. So I kind of blazed my own path, which may or may not have been a great thing because essentially I didn't really have anyone that I was working with to help me out. So if you do have someone that you can work with, that would be ideal. But I want to show you or tell you how you can actually reduce your standards. And there's plenty of research from Marzano, Dufour, Hattie, and Ainsworth that tell that if we can prioritize our standards, remember the big rocks, and teach the most important ones in depth, that our students will be more successful in learning all the content. So remember the example with the big rocks, they still had the sand and the gravel that filled in. So you're not getting rid of all of the standards, you're just putting a higher priority on what you have deemed as the essentials or the big rocks or your power standards as some call them. And then you fill in the rest. So here's a key tip here is that your assessments are going to be around those key concepts, those key standards. So the other thing to think about is that your life can be a little bit simpler when you are just referring back to those. So you're still teaching everything else or whatever you can. You don't have to worry about covering everything, but you want to still be able to get your students to the point that they have reached proficiency in those particular standards. So we're gonna back up a little bit. So we've talked about power standards, essential standards, big rocks, kind of what they are. So what this looks like when it's actually in practice, because I've given you a lot of theory, which is what I had had in my background was the theory stuff, but didn't actually have a clue what that would look like and what that would look like in my CTE class. So what that looks like is that you have eight to 10 standards that you have chosen per semester, per course. So you are really narrowing things down. Hopefully your state or your district has some standards already for the courses that you're teaching. If not, you will probably need to look elsewhere. Go to Google, figure out if there is a national organization that might have some standards that you could use. Is there some overlap with industry that you might be able to use? Start there because you do want to start with some sort of standards that you'll be able to narrow down. So now we're going to go through the process. So we've got to figure out the difference between our nice to knows and our need to knows. Now, all of them are going to seem like important standards. Someone thought they were important enough to like actually put in the standards themselves. And there's some standards that we might actually be attached to because we have some really fun activity or unit or assessment that we love doing that might not actually be essential. So you're going to have to kind of unmarry yourself from some of the things that you already have planned or have done in the past if you really want to use this concept. Now, a great thing about these standards and once you have the essentials is if we're ever put in a situation similar to that of the pandemic in 2020 is that we can always go 
back to those essential standards. And that can be our key focus if we're ever not in the classroom or in some sort of virtual learning. Like what can we still focus on? What can we still do when we're not in the classroom? So think about that as you are going through this process as well. I know that many schools that still did a great job and still had their students be successful, it's because they really only focused on those essential or power standards and they could continue to work on those even if they weren't physically in the building. So the need to know and the nice to knows. So the process that I used, I was actually, I did the KonMari method, which you may or may not be familiar with because it has absolutely nothing to do with education. So a couple years ago, I was going to a manufacturing teaching workshop where I was learning about lean manufacturing and Six Sigma. If you're not familiar with that, which you may or may not be if you've got a manufacturing background, is that Toyota actually kind of made this process famous as they were improving how they were building cars and they weren't having as much waste. And essentially, it's a way about having continuous improvement and eliminating unnecessary waste. So at the same time, so remember I said that I conmarried my standards. So at the same time, I had a book that I had been waiting for. So an ebook that I had waited for that became available. And it is called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. And actually has a subheading. It says the Japanese art of decluttering and organizing. So really, when you think about it, as I'm learning about Lean and Six Sigma and Toyota, is it essentially... Marie Kondo is doing the same thing, but she's explaining it differently and she's applying it to people in their houses. So if you've ever watched any of her videos, and even if you haven't, what she does is the process behind cleaning out your clothing or pretty much anything. She has you like go through a section at a time. So think about you're going through a course at a time. You're not worrying about anything else. But the first thing you do is you take all of your clothing and you put it in one room so that you can see how much you actually have. So Remember we talked about finding your standards. You've got to find your standards and get them all in one place. Then she has whoever's doing the organizing or the decluttering touch every single piece and decide whether or not it brings them joy. Now that can kind of seem a little bit wonky. So you can look at it and each standard, and I would highly recommend, I am a very tactile person. I really like to see things like in separate piles, like I'm keeping this and I'm throwing this out. So this idea that she was doing by holding each piece and moving them into piles really helped me out. So I did the same thing with my standards. But instead of asking whether or not they brought me joy, we've got some other questions and these are from Larry Ainsworth and he's the one who had coined and has this idea about the power standards. So the first question is you ask, does this standard have endurance? So 
are the students going to be able to and need to remember it besides just one assessment that you give? Second question to ask, does a standard have leverage? Can it be applied to more than one subject area? And more than one subject area besides the content area that you're teaching, can it be applied to math, science, or English? Can it be applied to any other CTE class? So does it have leverage is number two. Number three, does the standard prepare students for success at the next level? So think about if you are offering additional courses, a level one, level two, level three, does this one standard, is it important for the next level? Is it a prerequisite? Do they need to know it? Do they, should they be proficient? And then finally, number four, will the standard prepare students for success on high stakes external exams? So these are not exams that you are coming up with, but that they are end of level, either that your state or your district has come up with, or maybe you have an industry exam that your students are taking. Think about those. So that's the idea behind separating them. So you're going to put them into piles. So you've got the nice to knows and the need to knows. Now your need to knows, you're going to probably need to continue to dwindle them down. Remember, you just want eight to 10, otherwise you are going to be overwhelmed. So eight to 10 per semester, per course. Those are going to be the ones that you really focus on. Those are going to be the ones that you will make your assessments from. If you're doing standards-based grading, those are the ones that you are going to make sure that they're proficient in. I would also say that in your mind that this is your guaranteed and viable curriculum, another educational buzzword. But the idea behind it is that you are guaranteeing that 100% of your students are going to be proficient in those standards by the time that they leave your course. And pretty much you'll do whatever it takes to make sure that those students are proficient in those standards. Okay, so now we've conmarried our standards. We've got two piles. We've got the nice to know and the need to knows. And we have dwindled them down to eight to 10 on the need to knows. So finally, you're going to take those standards and you're going to create I can statements for those standards. You don't need to create them for everything. Just start with those standards. Those are the standards that are written in student-friendly language so that students can understand what they what proficiency looks like and how they will be assessed on those standards. So some questions that I like to ask anytime that I'm observing a class and I ask a student these questions are, what are you learning? How do you know when you know it? And how does your teacher know you know it? Your I can statements, if they are written well and if the students know them, they should be able to answer those questions. So think about those questions as you're creating your I can statements from your standards. Now, I hope this helps you kind of narrow down and get a better perspective of what you really should essentially be teaching and not get overwhelmed with all of the standards that you theoretically should be covering for your courses. If you want a little bit more help on my website at kristenmasick.com 
or within the show notes, I have linked a worksheet or a guide that will help you through this process. Until next time.